Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin, and with me in the studio is Anne Rong Zhu, who is a photographer and director. And、um, I'm really honored to be able to speak with him because he's actually just visiting Taiwan. So, hi, Anne Rong. Hi, Shirley. Yeah, nice to meet you. You know,、um, I got to know you because I interviewed、um, Esther and Lara,、um, who are、uh, amazing sisters, and I believe that you took photos of them. That's why, you know, I have this honor to interview you.、Mm, yeah.、Uh, well, Esther and Lara,、uh, they're good friends of mine who I've been fortunate enough to be in a position where I can work with them、uh, over time. It's、uh, it's always fun to work with them because they always have new ideas. And, they do, <laughs> and like it's spunky, it's it's creative, and it's a, it's a lot of fun just working with people who give you a lot of creative freedom. Esther and Laura provide plenty of that, and they're like my number one friends in Taiwan. Oh, that is great. Before we go on though, and Ra, you know that I always start off with you know my guest telling a story that has made an impact on you. So you want to start off with that? Yeah.、Uh, well, I have a very big proclivity towards、uh, barber shops.、Uh, wherever I go, I always like try to find a barber shop and get a haircut while I'm in like abroad anywhere. You have a very cool haircut, by the way. Oh, thank you. How would you describe it? I mean, our、um, listeners can't see. It's a、uh, you know short on the sides and the back and long on the top, and you know I just swap it back a little bit. Yeah.、Uh, but I I think like it all started from my grandfather. So when I was a kid growing up in Chinatown in New York,、uh, we had this barber shop called the Brazil Barber Shop. One day, I had my cowlick kept standing up, and I kept complaining about it. And I had really short hair at this point, and my grandfather was like, "All right, let's just go to the barber shop." He took me to the barber shop, and it basically made me look like a monk. And、um, so from from that day on,、uh, I feel like if I ever have any problems, I.、Uh, I I find some excuse to go to the barber shop and get my hair cut. Oh, okay, all right. So, how often do you visit a barber shop then? Uh, well, well, my hair grows around like every two to three weeks, about. So it grows very fast. It grows Just fast.、Like、mine. Yeah, it grows fast, but also like it's not growing in some parts now. It's getting really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! You're still very young. I I hope it keeps growing. You have a way of styling your hair. Cool.、Oh, I mean, for a photographer, you. you need that. Right.、Uh, I don't.、Uh, I, I guess、yeah. you have to like look look the part. I guess. Yes.、Yeah. Yes, you do. All right. Well, we're going to start way way back. So you were actually born in China. Yeah, I was born in Taishan, China. Right.、Uh, the um the province, province <laughs> not not the mountain area in the south. Because <laughs> I made a mistake in the beginning. I thought you meant like you know at the top of the hill. Yeah. <laughs> This is like the tallest mountain in 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 China, and I actually climbed that too. I almost died, I think, you know, <laughs> with from altitude sickness. But anyway, I thought you grew up in the you you were born in the states because your English is so perfect. Well, I I moved to America when I was two, right? So I basically grew up in the states、mm, and、yeah. going through America, like the American schooling system. I I do speak Chinese, but only Cantonese and Taiwanese. 
Uh huh. Oh, Thai Chinese is actually different, huh? Yeah, Thai Chinese is、uh, it similar to Cantonese? It's similar to Cantonese. It's just tonality differences. Yeah.、Uh, I've heard people tell me that when I speak Thai Chinese, it sounds like I'm speaking Vietnamese. How about that? Maybe you should pick up Vietnamese too. Um, I've I've heard some Vietnamese spoken, and I I do swear I pick up some words. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good. Wait, you still live in New York? Oh yeah, I still live in New York. So yeah, you've been in New York all your life, a New Yorker. What's New York like to you? Did you grow up in in Chinatown?、Though? Well, I grew up in Chinatown until、okay. I was eight. Then I moved to Queens. Well, for me, New York feels like home. There's there's no place like it. It's just the energy. Like looking at the the skyscrapers, looking at the lights at night. It's just there's eight million stories, and you're just like dying to know each and every one. And you like that's for me anyway. And、um, just walking around the streets, even like if I have my headphones on or I'm just rushing through. Like I walk really fast, and like all my friends elsewhere tell me, "Why are you walking so fast?" And I'm like, "Oh, you know, don't we have places to go? Don't we have to get to get to point A to point B?" That's sort of a hard mentality to live. But、um, since like I started traveling a few years ago, I've started understanding that like slowing down is, slow down. Im- is important. <laughs> and、uh, but New York for me is always going to be home, and New York has this energy that. Is unmatched by any other city I've ever been to. I agree. It's where art is, and you you in, right in that field. Well, I, the I, arts. Well, I think New York has a very vibrant art scene. It's also a very difficult art scene to survive in. Competitive wise, are you、um, saying? Um, I I think co- competition is a big thing, but the thing is, like, quality is always going to stand out. But the the thing is, it's just there's a lot of noise, and <laughs> filtering the noise is what's the hard part.、Mm. Would you say that type is similar to New York?、Mm, in the hustle and bustle, yes. Yes.、Uh, I feel like well, the one thing that I love about Taipei is walking through the train stations and seeing all these people, and like I feel like like I I have this mental game when I'm walking by myself through、uh, any other stations is. I see a person. How do I avoid walking into them? And I, I like walk as fast as I can, and then just avoid them and cut in and out. And it looks like I'm like dodging and like,、uh, like jumping in between people. And it's kind of fun, but like it might look dangerous. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I think that somebody should film you while you while you're doing that. That would have been an amazing, you know, documentary or short film. Why do you do that? Because you're just really curious about people. Yeah, I'm curious of people, and I also feel like I want to get to the next point really quick. And、yeah. in fact, that's your、um, protagonist in、yeah. all your photos. Is that you like to take people?、Mm, yes.、Right. Um. Uh, well, for me, I I think the hardest thing for people to do is well, the easiest and hardest thing is for people to relate to each other and、mm. just being able to connect with another human being on that level of creating a sense of security and creating a sense of intimacy is very difficult. How old were you when you started taking up photography and got an interest in photography?、Uh, I think I was about seventeen when I started really using a camera and like taking pictures.、Uh, Because you had a camera as a gift from a Christmas gift or something like that. Oh no no no, no 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 no.、Um, one of my best friends he lent me his camera while we were shooting a film together in class. I started taking the production stills, and he. He was like, "Hey, you're not too bad at this,、oh. and、um, I really enjoyed just taking pictures." So, I, I have this belief that, like, if you really want something, the universe is going to provide it for you, and you just have to look out for the signs. When I saw one of my coworkers at the time, I was teaching、uh, at an after-school center, and he was like, "Hey, I, b- I bought like this extra like film camera. Are you interested?" 
he sold it to me and like I kept using it and it was my first camera. It was like an old film camera and I was learning how to use it and like it was so much fun just taking pictures. Like everybody comes in with a basic understanding of like, oh, I'm taking pictures to capture moments and like all this stuff and like it sounds really cliche and really cheesy and like all of us have to go through it just like feel it and like at the end of it I just kept going and it kind of became like well, what do I keep doing? What do I do with this? Eventually, I was trying to get into art school and I decided that, well, photography seems like the only thing I'm really good at right now and I, there's not, not much else going on. So I decided to become a photography major and uh, eventually I got accepted into the School of Visual Arts in New York. That was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I'm sure that you start off with taking anything and everything, right? Yeah. I mean, I would love taking pictures of people, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a, it's a living thing. It's something that's alive and mm-hmm. you can relate to. What made you think that's your focus? Do you want to take pictures of people? And by the way, I always wondered, you know, if do you ask these people for permission if you take the pictures? Mm. No. Well, right? it depends. <laughs> well, like a lot of like the portrait work, it's often set up and like we make time for each other to make the photos. But uh, my more documentary stuff, often I don't really ask much permission. Uh, I adhere by the rule of shoot first, ask later. This is going to sound really bad, but it's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. So <laughs> did you did have people got mad at you afterwards? Uh, I've, I've had people like yell at me, curse at me, and just go, what are you doing? Why are you taking my picture? And at that point, I'll either just be very friendly and just be like, oh, well, you're standing there on the streets and you look really cool. So like I've had one guy try to like really antagonize me. He's like, I'll call the cops. And I was like, Go ahead, call the cops. This was in America, so right. I was like, I'm a member of the press. You are on a public street. You have no reasonable expectation of privacy. So I am in every right according to my First Amendment rights. So you can call the cops, but they're not going to do anything. People can get pissed, but like the thing is, like being like an artist and being a photographer, also like you just have to grow a thick skin when it comes to like people like criticizing you and people also like trying to like get to you and just kind of like making you seem like you're a bad person or if you are violating their personal space in a public space. Yeah, I get uptight and mm. I'm so afraid that people are going to like say, come up to me and say, what are you doing? Yeah, you know? I think <laughs> so. the be- I think the best approach for me was just like, if you take the picture, you risk making a good picture. <laughs> yeah. So... You want to catch the moment. Yeah. If if you don't take it, you miss the moment and you miss what you're trying to get. So what's worse, not having it or having it and having somebody yell at you for a second or two. So I saw, was it a documentary of um, maybe it's about your story Mm -hmm. and you taking photos and there were, you were like, you know, by the sea and Mm -hmm. there were these couples sitting on a bench Mm -hmm. and you were taking their backside Mm -hmm. and you were standing there. You were taking tons of pictures. You were Mm -hmm. waiting for the right moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you know what's the right moment? Is this something surreal? Well, I think part of being a a photographer or a documentary photographer in that part is that you are constantly watching people. Mm, I like doing that too. And when you people watch, you kind of have certain, like people have patterns. People have things that they do. Like if I'm looking at a couple, I know at one point one of them is going to look at each other and that's the moment I want. So okay. I'll, I'll be waiting for it. And like, if I'm like walking down the street and I see somebody interesting, I know that they're going to cross the street at some point. I'll wait for that moment. And it's just understanding human behavior on that level. Oh, I oh, got it. 
you did actually make a couple of um, documentaries. Why did you do those documentaries? There was one titled "The Chinese Americans." Mm. So you had that idea before you started planning out what it is that you want in this documentary, right? Mm, no. Uh, the funny thing is, uh, I really have no idea what I'm doing most of the time. <laughs> okay, that's a surprise. Uh, when when I'm when I start shooting photos, I just take photos of things I'm interested in and things I like. Then I gather a bunch of them together and go, oh, here's a loose narrative that's going on. Here's something that's happening in, in these photos. Maybe something can be put together. And at some point, I realized that I was putting together an idea of what Chinese America meant to me, mm. and it, while uh, while you were taking these photos, yeah, well, you I started like, thinking. Yeah, well, I started thinking. Oh. So after like you know the first couple months after taking it, I was like, okay, well, what am I working on? Like, why am I drawn to this? What is the what is the big thing that like brings me towards why I want to photograph these certain things? And that's when I sat down, started thinking, talked to my peers, and like essentially I realized that. I'm really interested in the Chinese American people and the experience of the Chinese in America. Also, like doing your, a lot of family history digging, like my family's been, like been in America since the 1800s. We have like a long history, and just figuring that out is a whole nother journey. But I figured, well, I have a personal stake in this because I myself am a Chinese American, but I am only one and a half generation. But my family, I've had family members here since the 1800s, and we have been a very big fabric of the American story. So it's just I want to be able to express that, and eventually, I hope this is what people see my work for and remember me by. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How How do your parents see you doing this? Uh, they barely understand what I do. Uh, my parents don't speak English, so it's really difficult for them to, for me to explain what I do. I just tell them I take pictures. But they support you. They they support me. They're very supportive, which I am really surprised and really happy about. Being of one and a half generation, it's really difficult for my parents to just go, "Oh, all right, well, you want to pursue a career in the arts? Why don't you do it?" And for me, it was just um, in Cantonese. There's this word called "baim." like really annoying or something oh, like okay. And like, uh, I guess I was very annoying on the part where they realized that I wasn't going to be happy doing anything else. They were like, how are you going to make money? And I said, well, if I'm good, I'll make money. Next week, Enron and I will be talking about his photo shoot and encounters with celebrities. So don't miss out. Join me next week on In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Yeah.